0: To millions of Americans, to, to young people and Hispanics and African Americans and suburban moms, that that these policies of the socialist left are really, really harmful. And I think we need to make use these two years to make that case. And then we got to win in 22, and we got to win in 24. We got elections coming up. We got to make it through these two years, and. One thing to draw some good news from, some solace, is politics historically tends to be a, a pendulum. Swings one way and then it swings the other. And, and what causes it to swing the other is the party in power, particularly if they get unified power as the Democrats have, they almost invariably overreach. They go too far, they go too extreme, and the American people don't like it, they swing back the other way. I think that's what the Democrats are going to do now. That suggests that 2022 should be a very good election, and 2024 should be a very good election. Um, now, could Republicans screw it up? Yes, and and the easiest way for us to screw it up is have a civil war within the Republican Party, where Republicans spend the next four years trying to kill each other yep. instead of trying to unify and and win the elections. I hope that doesn't happen. I'm going to try to try to do everything I can to prevent it from happening, but that is a risk. But the Democrats overreaching as a factor that, that, that should, should set up a very good election in 22 and a very good election in 24.
1: Welcome back. Little Joe's conservative corner. That was Ted Cruz. I couldn't agree with him more. I already think that people, and it's only been what, nine days or 10 days that uh, Biden has been in the white house I really think people are already starting to feel that way. If you're on any social media platform, you would have noticed that Biden remorse was trending for a couple days, and it's just due to the way he's trying to run the country. Right now, he's trying to run the country with a pen and a piece of paper. He's not even bringing Congress into the conversation. He's just signing executive order after executive order on whatever the radical agenda they're trying to push is. So what ends up happening is he's disappointing a lot of his base. Um, I was listening to Glenn Beck yesterday. uh, It could have been the day before. And he had Dave Rubin on. And one of the questions that Glenn Beck asked Dave Rubin was, how do his liberal friends, you know, how are they feeling right now about the way Biden is behaving? And his explanation, and I don't remember it word for word, but it's very similar to, What Ted Cruz is saying, it's what I've been saying that over the next two years, it's going to be catastrophic with these people and we should do well in midterms um, and beyond. But what was being said was most liberals, and now we're talking about moderate liberals like your older traditional liberals, they didn't want Hillary because of, I mean, who wants any Clintons? You know, Clintons are just, everything around them is controversy and, and you just know those people are no good. They were tired of Trump because they felt like he was too aggressive and there was too much turmoil in the country because Trump is a fighter. So he is going to be very vocal about it. Uh, He's going to stand his ground and he's going to say what he feels. And it's not a traditional way that presidents or people in politics act. So they were tired of that. So they got to a point where they were looking at Joe Biden and assuming to themselves, well, Joe Biden is a real old school Democrat. He's going to be very moderate. He's the guy that's going to stop the radical agenda from happening. He'll put an end to that and he'll he'll run the country like a moderate Democrat would. Well, within the first three days, and I said on my last podcast, he signed 19 executive orders, which the Previous, what, four administrations combined didn't even sign that many. And now we're eight or nine days in, and he's up to 33 or 34. I'm losing count now because he's signing so many of them. So now they're already seeing that they made a mistake in choosing Joe Biden, and he's not going to be good for the country. Keep in mind, Joe Biden, uh, he doesn't even know if he's alive day to day. He's signing whatever paper. They're giving him to sign. I mean, he can't even figure out where to put his pen when he's signing. He, I mean, it took him 30 seconds to figure out that there's no pen pocket inside of his jacket there. And so he ends up eventually putting it in his pocket and starts to sign again. He's not the mastermind behind it. This is much deeper than that. This has been well-planned and well-thought-out for years. This is an assault on the United States that's much deeper. I'm sure it's your normal players. We can't verify everybody yet. I'm sure that George Soros is involved. I'm sure Barack Obama's in there somewhere. You have all the people from Davos in there. You have the uh, World Economic Forum. They're all behind it. This is a big scheme to take down America, to try to transition the world and reshape it into what they think is best for them because it's not for us. You know, They're not listening to the people. I'd venture to say that most liberals do not want socialism. I would uh, suspect that it's a very small percentage that – are for it, and the only reason they're for it is because they do not understand it, and they were not taught what socialism truly is, and I know that to them, socialism or communism means everybody's the same, everybody gets the same, and they are seeing the side of it that they sell you to try to get you to buy the product, but ultimately, they're forgetting the very dark side of it, which is death and despair, ultimately war and a collapse of whatever country, or in this case, they're trying to make it global, globally would end up happening in the end. Because in in a social society, there are only two classes. There are the elite and there is everybody else. But ultimately, what Ted Cruz is saying, what multiple people are saying, as well as myself, is they're going to really show you who they are these two years and they're going to try to push this agenda as fast as they can. That's that's going to be first and foremost. So we got to buckle down and get ready for the ride and fight it any way we can. Um, I know that most people had a moment where they felt like it was over because the Democrats took the House, the Senate, and the presidency. But I would like to remind you because things happen so fast now, we almost can't keep up with anything. Barack Obama had all three. He had the House, the Senate, and the presidency as well. And he is just as radical, but a much smoother talker um, than Joe Biden is. And they did make changes you know, that did alter America from then. I mean, one of the biggest changes that Barack Obama put in place, which some people would say, well, it's not a big deal, but it actually is, is Obamacare. So they were able to get that through in that two-year span. Now, I do think that currently they're not going to get to do some of the real big ones, some of our big concerns. It looks like it's more in our favor. Obviously, there's no guarantees on anything, but you have two Democrats that said that they will not get rid of the filibuster, and as long as the filibuster stays in place, any of the real big radical changes that they want to make, um, they won't be able to. They won't be able to make DC, D.C. a state. They won't be able to make Puerto Rico a state, and... We should be okay as long as that stays in place. So it's just got to hold for the next two years. I would say that most of the Democrats, even the politicians, they very much do not want to see the country change in such a radical way. They're having their feet held to the fire. There's a lot of pressure. This radical agenda and the people that are behind them pushing them, I'm assuming they're afraid and they're just going to vote because they don't want to be canceled and they're going to do whatever's necessary for self-preservation. But you, like I said, you do have a couple that at least will stand in there and say, no, this is not you know the way America is. It's not the way it's supposed to run, and we're not going to do it that way. Again, hopefully that'll hold out. Another issue that's very concerning is uh, the Blaze report of Joe Biden is moving forward with his plans on making a commission to, uh, I guess, analyze the Supreme Court as well as the judiciary system and consider court packing. That's a problem because nowhere in the Constitution does it say a particular amount of judges. It's been nine for a very long time. Uh, Even Ginsburg was satisfied with the nine. She thought that was a good number. And we're already having troubles with the courts as it is. It just seems like they're very wish-washy when it comes to ruling on things. But him putting a commission together, God only knows... Uh, what the outcome of that's going to be. I would say, again, the filibuster and some of these things, it would be very good if they stay in place at least for the next two years, which I believe after that we'll end up having a split government again and things will calm back down. Uh, But if not, you know, on the other hand, if they for some reason get rid of the filibuster and the two Democrats break, then we're going to be in real trouble. Because if you end up putting... You know, three or four or five more liberal judges on the Supreme Court, they're gonna change every law possible. You can kiss our gun rights goodbye, First Amendment's gone, um, you're not gonna be able to worship in church anymore. Um I mean, it's it's gonna be a mess. You know, that stuff like that ends up leading to civil war. And you think they would know that, but just because you're a politician, uh, does not mean you are a smart person or you have common sense. Okay, but that, that one did concern me when I was reading that article. Hopefully, they won't mess with that too much. Hopefully, they'll leave that be. We'll see in the end. On Trump's impeachment, that's not going anywhere. They do not have the votes. Rand Paul ended up giving a great speech. He really defined what is inciting violence. You know, he went over his personal account when he was attacked. Uh, he also pointed out things that the Democrats said during the summer when you had all the riots going on across the country and just plainly saying, if you're going to hold Trump accountable for telling people to march down uh, peacefully and telling them to let their voices be heard, then the same should apply to Kamala Harris and Cory Booker uh, and, and Frederica Wilson and all these others that have incited violence more directly than Trump did. Um, Ultimately when they voted, They're not going to be able to get the votes to impeach. So now they're going to try to change tactics and they're going to go after him for something else. They just want to do anything to hold this man accountable, to try to put another tarnish on his name. Trump is like a ex-girlfriend or boyfriend that you just can't let go. You broke up with them. You say you no longer like them, but you can't stop talking about them. And you're always looking at what they're doing and not in my time, but I guess in this time you stalk their social media uh, accounts and see what they're doing. And it's like, you just can't let it go. Okay. The man is gone. He's down here in Florida. He's been playing golf. I'm glad to see that he's taking it easy. He deserves to take it easy for a little bit because they sure beat that poor guy up and let it go. You know, we have bigger issues afoot, like that dummy in the white house right now with him on a rampage with signing executive orders. It won't take really any tough questions from reporters or any at all just walks away. And then if he does answer them, he snaps back at people in a real nasty way. If Trump answered or did anything like Joe Biden's doing to the reporters and not answering any questions or anything, they, they pitch a fit. They get furious after the election. When Trump would come out and make a statement, and leave, they were going bonkers saying, this isn't right. He's not answering any questions. Well, Joe Biden's doing the same thing. And it's the beginning. It's the honeymoon phase. If he's not answering questions now, you know he's not answering questions later. They just need to leave Trump alone, let him do his thing, let him live his life, and and stop bothering the man. He's out, he left gracefully where they were saying they were going to have to call in the National Guard, and they're going to have to drag him out of the White House because he wasn't going to leave. Actually, he left that morning peacefully, said thank you to everybody, set himself off on a nice goodbye, came down here to Florida And since then, he's been going out to dinner with friends, playing golf, and doing what he should be doing. Should be relaxing a little bit because, believe me, he did things for us in the United States that most presidents have never been able to accomplish. So, it's good that he relaxes for a little bit. You know what's funny is that Joe Biden chose John Kerry, who John Kerry, I mean completely mishandled the Middle East, He's has this guy done anything successful at all in his political career, but of course he's on Biden's team, and there comes a time when put the politician aside, but have a little bit of humility, and have a little bit of compassion, you just put at least 11,000 people out of work with Biden's executive orders, and you get up on stage to make a speech about it, and instead of having a little bit of compassion, this is what you say. Watching
0: you both right now, who so will hear the message, that the takeaway to them is that they are seeing an end to their livelihoods. Uh, what what do you say to them, particularly those people who, who President Trump struck a chord with on the campaign trail when he promised to save their jobs? What is your message to them right now? And also to the oil industry executives who are listening, are you putting them on notice today?
2: Well, we didn't come here to put anybody on notice except to the seriousness of, our, of President Biden's intent to uh, do what needs to be done to deal with this crisis. And it is a crisis. Um, uh, with respect to uh, those workers no no two people are more uh in this room are more concerned about it and the president of the united states has expressed in every comment he has made about uh, climate the need to uh, grow the new jobs that pay better that are cleaner that i mean you know you look at the consequences of black lung for a minor for instance and measure that against the fastest growing job in the united states before COVID was solar power technician. The same people can do those jobs. But the choice of doing the solar power one now is a better choice. Similarly, uh, you have uh, the second fastest growing job pre-COVID was wind turbine technician. This is happening. 75%, 70% of all the electricity that's come online in the United States in the last few years came from renewables. Not. You know, coal plants have been closing over the last 20 years. So what President Biden wants to do is make sure those folks have better choices, that they have alternatives, that they can be the people who go to work to make the solar panels. They were making them here at home. That is going to be a particular focus of the uh, Build Back Better agenda. And and I, I think that that unfortunately workers have been fed a false narrative no surprise right for the last few years they've been fed uh the notion that somehow dealing with climate is coming at their expense no it's not what's happening to them is happening because of other market forces already taking place and, and, and what the, what the, what the financiers, uh, the big banks, the asset managers, private investors, venture capital are all discovering is there's a lot of money to be made in the creation of these new jobs in these sectors. So whether it's green hydrogen that is going to come, whether it is uh, uh, geothermal here, whether it, whatever it's going to be, uh, those are jobs. The same worker who works in South Carolina today putting together a BMW, which happens to be made there and and, and um, is currently an internal combustion engine, can put together a car, but it's electric. So this is not a choice between having jobs, having good jobs, having the...
1: Yeah, it's not a choice of yours is what it comes down to. He's telling you, you just got to get hip with the times and you just got to make the transition and do what we tell you to do because we know what's best for you. You have people that have devoted their whole lives to a trade. Uh, Some of them have even went to school to learn the trade. And now you're telling them that they've had a career, some of these people, 20 or 30 years in this career, really mastering their skills. And making a living out of it. Now you're telling them you're not going to be doing that anymore. Now you need to go learn a different trade and you're going to do it our way because we believe our way is better. And as far as things transitioning, um, well, who pushed that agenda? You know, who was pushing it towards green? It's always been the Democrats pushing it for this new green deal. The green deal in the whole energy sector is less about the environment than it is about regulations and control and government because that ultimately is always their goal. They want to be in power. That is it. Another thing that he said that's a telltale sign is build back better. Build back better is the slogan that they are using for the Great Reset. You start, listen, go listen to Boris, go listen to China, go listen to all these different leaders and you'll start noticing they're using the same phrase, build back better. No, we're not going to build back better. The world cannot run without fossil fuel. It cannot. We are not at a level where solar panels are that efficient. We're not at a level wind turbines. What do you think turns a turbine You don't think there's oil inside of a wind turbine? You think that that metal is just rubbing on itself? Cannot run this world without fossil fuels. You have to have them. They're efficient. The world produces it on its own. The only issue is that fossil fuels are cheaper and easier. It's a huge industry. You make a lot of money with it. They need to control that. They want to control all of that, ultimately, to control you, because that's what it's all about. They're going to make themselves the elite class. And we're all going to be the peasants on the bottom. And the name of it is The Great Reset. I've also done a podcast about that. And the catalyst for The Great Reset is COVID-19. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's right out there in the open. Go to the World Economic Forum. You'll see it on there yourself. This is not me spitting out my ideas or my thoughts. These this is all easily found by yourself. You can read it for yourself. They're on trusted sites. This is not coming out of Billy Bob's basement that he's in there by himself on a computer, you know, spitting out conspiracy theories. This is the direction that they're going in. So it's real easy for John Kerry to get up there because he's a believer in this crap. It's easy for him to get up there and basically tell you that he doesn't care that he's destroying your livelihood. You're going to do it our way. Oh, and don't worry. There'll be jobs for you there. You're taking away jobs from people. You're canceling out complete industries that these people have worked in for their entire lives. Guys that work on oil rigs, you know, that is a skill. That's going to be a different environment than a guy who's working on a pipeline or a guy who's, uh, I mean, a guy who's fracking or a guy who, you know, who produces natural gas, they're all different in their own way. These guys have skills. These guys and gals, let's say, have skills. Okay, Let them use their skills to be free people to do what they want to do with their lives and make their money the way they see fit. But the government doesn't want you to have that choice because ultimately they're looking to strip us of our freedom. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to contact me, uh, Gmail, LJ, at gmail.com. I'm at Twitter for now. Like I said, I'm parlor said they were going to be up by the end of the month. Hopefully that's still true. I haven't heard a whole lot, uh, since uh, probably a week or two ago when they said that, but hopefully they will be back up. Uh, but I, uh, currently still at Twitter at l j c o n s R C R N. I'm also on cloud hub little joe cc and i'm on gab little joe's corner Uh, if you like what you're hearing please tell some people about me otherwise have a good weekend see you on tuesday